of Trailblazers. Today's guest is uh, a doctor, a data scientist, and a digital strategist, all put together. Ayman uh, Efiki is the head of oncology and hematology in the Monsonite system, Brooklyn Hospitals. Um, he is a part of the computing lab of uh, the, the MIT Media Labs. Uh, he's, he's been on the advisory board of McKinsey & Company. And um, he has a very diverse set of degrees as well. He did his master's in medicine from the Washington University School of Medicine, uh, did public health from the Harvard University, uh, did uh, a course in oncology from the Yale Medical School, and uh, an MBA from the uh, MIT Sloan uh, School of Management. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for spending this time. This is one of my favorite topics of the power of data and uh, digital technologies in medicine. You know, uh, the more I read about it, I realize 80% um, uh, of what doctors do today, uh, I'm told uh, with smart hardware, software, and data, um, it will completely change what doctors will do in the future and how much all of this will amplify what they do. Tell us a little bit about what's happening in the space. We're seeing that more and more around us, right. the, the role of mobile devices, uh, the, uh, the interconnection between the communication between the different physicians, um, uh, just in, in terms of how we're even starting to mine the data in our, uh, in our EHRs and EMRs. Uh, the challenge is, again, the systemic or the scaling uh, of these and, and really the organizational strategies surrounded around this to really, um, you know, to further develop the infrastructures to enable uh, these and to better better implement analytic capabilities, uh, as well as to better integrate new technologies that would extend these uh, abilities further. Uh, however, you're seeing the mindset, and that's the key chain, right? It, it begins with the mindset. Still much more uh, to come and uh, uh, including uh, attitudes that, that need to develop further. Uh, and that starts at the leadership levels. And how much are hospitals get up for this? EMRs, EHRs, we know where, where they are. They were developed as for billing systems, correct? Right. To optimize right. our, our billing, Absolutely. Uh, not for clinical practice. Um, however, as the knowledge base in medicine, yeah. oncology is a great use case, has been increasing rapidly. Uh, we're starting to appreciate the needs uh, for that. We're starting to see the uh, inadequacies or deficiencies in terms of our clinical operations, uh, clinical practice, and the need to better integrate information and data that's a, that is available in these systems, uh, but the systems are not developed uh, appropriately there. Uh, so you're starting to see new, at the leadership level, uh, new CMIOs, CHIOs starting to develop. Uh, even the CIOs are starting to, you know, are starting to, uh, to develop in terms of their role in these strategies. And first and foremost, the CEOs and the boards, uh, you start to see how and they're these putting are their hospital attentions. CEOs, you're saying? Hospital hospitals. CEOs, exactly yeah. right. Again, there's a lot of legacy issues to deal with in, in this context, but at least the acknowledgement um, is there. Uh, this is also driven by market forces at the same time, right? So globalism, uh, market. Um, and markets uh, market are, you know, consumers are expecting, or patients are expecting consumerism in a way like they deal with any other service in the society. Absolutely, and, and I feel that's, uh, myself personally, I feel that's where the strongest uh, movement, this grass move, grassroots right, movement right. is what I, I feel where um, new, uh, again, there's more access to information, to knowledge, more involvement in your own health, which is probably driven by economics uh, of it, uh, rising uh, rising costs of, of care and, uh, 
right. and co-pays, for example. So there's more expectations um, and more involvement in your own care. So there's more expectations of the system uh, and the systems and even the attitudes are uh, not necessarily what we were used to before, but we're having to evolve to, to meet those uh, demands or else they're going to be delivered by, by other... Uh, I mean, if I may ask you, um, one of the reports I, I read about is, uh, uh, is, is actually one of my favorite uh, entrepreneurs, Vinod Khosla, who invests heavily on healthcare. Um, he talks about how AI today can, can play the role of a radiologist. And uh, what needs to happen is adoption of AI for the future and uh, by 2022 or 2023, he thinks you don't need a radiologist. And in the next 10 years, you potentially don't need an oncologist. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the role of an oncologist will change in, in many ways. And he thinks a primary healthcare specialist with integrated care powered by AI, which will do the specialized job, will be the future of uh, medical sciences. How much do you think this is true and how much do you believe that this is this is this is coming and we're not seeing it yet in radiology we're seeing this actually quite a bit so i think that's a uh one of the at the forefront of of uh, you know the, the impact and implications of data sciences and what it can uh achieve uh especially you know and it really highlights the biases that can be inherent in practice but especially in radiology or the human uh biases how we can be um, you know, really how you can be influenced by information that's applied to you, right? But then what about if it's just, uh, again, you know, more, more of an open field uh, and really applied, you know, AI, uh, machine learning technology is just applied to really point out a number of things that we, we are looking for, but a number of things that we may not have anticipated. And then you can integrate other information along with that, and you can see where AI can take you. Uh, especially from the radiological uh, and perspective. And can AI do more than what a radiologist does today and actually sense cancer and oncology in a much better way? Absolutely. absolutely. You think so? Right. Wow. I mean, I, there's studies that show it's on par, but you can, on a daily basis. And it's see, a learning model. So it's it's a learning, exactly. Yeah. It's an iterative and it's growing and it and continues to, to improve. Uh, and, and do it, you apply it to your job yourself? I do. I mean, so I, I not necessarily on the radiology side. I know in Boston, uh, where I was before arriving to New York, there was a lot of studies and, and a big focus that was all the forefront uh, initial uh, studies that were being done were in the radiologists and the radiological sciences uh, and the radiology group. Over here, what I use, I'm focusing more on the clinical data, um, refactoring the uh, data that's available in our EHRs, but then uh, using data visualization, how I organize the data, how I present it to the patient, how I present it to my colleagues to really tell the stories of the patients in a very uh, more comprehensive and very more real way. And that ultimately does influence our decisions. Uh, whereas uh, when you just had more of a uh, provincial or marginalized uh, view of certain aspects and you miss the opportunity for a system, a systemic view of that patient and that condition, you really, really divergent choices are, are made. Right. right. And ultimately, this is not value. That does not translate to value. And do you see um, uh, research on AI advancing at a stage where uh, every discipline of medical sciences will kind of have uh, will kind of be powered by AI? It's slow in the beginning, but I, many things are slow. Good things start slow in the beginning, but the momentum builds up. We're absolutely seeing this, especially at the big academic centers. Uh, certainly in Boston, at, at Harvard, we we saw increasing into uh, integration or, or collaborations uh, between the Department of Biomedical Informatics and 
uh, Brigham Women's Hospital, uh, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, um, and uh, here in, in, in New York as well at Mount Sinai. Uh, again, strong, you're seeing the, the, the biomedical informatics um, and, and data science departments, computer science departments, uh, increasing and better working collaboratively with the science, uh, with the medical science departments. Um, and ultimately, the proof is, is in the pudding in terms of, and this is where the challenge is, how do you test and how do you pilot and test and advance these new models within the clinical setting? This is what's slow uh, on the uptake, uh, but this is what's going to increase because we're starting to appreciate the deficiencies in our current structures yep. and understanding the need for more augmentation um, uh, of uh, uh, and even supplementation of our practices as they are now. Yep. And you know, one of the other things I, I, I kind of uh, now started believing is if all of this becomes real, then doctors would focus more on empathy, on ethical relevance, uh, on human aspects of uh, medical sciences and the cure versus the mechanics of uh, diagnosis. Um, and I'm guessing that's going to go a long way in, uh, in, uh, in uh, medical diagnosis and treatment. I think that's highlighted uh, excellently by, uh, by oncology, cancer care. Uh, that was actually one of the driving forces for me, especially as um, the range of new treatment opportunities and paradigm shifts yeah. that were occurring in oncology. Uh, but um, the concern was that we were focusing more on, uh, increasingly focusing more on the computer and, and the numbers and, and, and uh, short-sighted data points, less and less so on, on the patients and, and the people on the receiving end of, yeah. of these values. Um, and this is, uh, this is a, unfortunately a, a, a feature of medicine as we move into this, uh, as part of these digital transformations. Uh, however, the hope and, and very reasonable expectation is that uh, digital transformation and technology properly applied should help to reinforce and allow us to return to that patient provider relationship and to, to strengthen that and reestablish that. Uh, and that's in oncology less, again, very critical cases, a lot of time where, you know, the intimacy of the relationships very much needed, especially in the end of life care. Uh, but the, uh, that aspect does not come out in, in our, in our care. Uh, there's less time to do so. There's and less insight And you would now have time, that. more time to do that. We'd now have more time to do that. Every aspect of the body is now uh, amplified with, with sensors. Uh, how much is that going to play a role for data scientists? Because there's going to be a ton of unstructured data coming out of it. Correct. Um, great point. And actually in that area, I'll have a question back to you. The issue with science right now, we, we make many decisions based on these episodic visits, right? And episodic yeah. interactions with the patients. However, so much is happening in the periods when they're not, they're not, outside, they're not with you. Yep. Correct. Yep. Great opportunity to that is to come from wearables and and the ongoing continuous capture of data, okay. passive capture of, of data, uh, as well as you know, integration of data from other dimensions of the people's yeah, lives. And it's not a deliberate attempt to capture data, so you might get get it more real. Exactly right. Yeah. It's more, it is more real. Yeah. Uh, it's more of the truth, yeah. uh, if you will. And and you know, again, if, you, if, if in the clinic, if we have the time to actually sit down and actually um, uh, solicit that data from th that information and those nuances from the patient, it would change our, our interactions there, or right there and, and then, and treatment choices we may make. However, that, again, the practice structures do not allow for that. So great expectation, great anticipation of what wearable and, and the data assets that will come from wearable technologies, um, as well as transactional uh, data that's out there. The question 
um, and I'd love to get your input on this, is how is this ideally going to be um, integrated and scaled? But what is the opportunity at an organizational level that a leader should be um, paying attention to? Globally, every industry has legacy systems where uh, unstructured data is sitting. In fact, if you go to manufacturing shop floors, there's a ton of data sitting uh, between machines. Uh, the ability to bring all, all of it into a data lake sometimes is um, a difficult proposition. Uh, with legacy systems, the ability to create microservices so that you could access those, those uh, systems and put them on a digital front end and then cross-tabulate them in a way and create statistical models which will help you to find inferences, which will help you to uh, find deterministic values of uh, data which is sitting there, which you have, you do not know what the insights are from. I think we go through that with every industry now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it will be very useful to apply it to medical sciences as well. Do you think they're going to have to revamp their existing system or is this so, something that could be Yeah, it could be layered up. It could be layered up. You could open them up and create microservices. You could put an API layer on it. Uh, you, could, um, you, you can remediate them. And uh, you don't need to completely shut them down and put them onto new things. Uh, that's what we don't recommend to our clients as well. Okay. Our clients, we, we kind of say you should, um, uh, you should uh, sustain your investments, but remediate them so that they can, they can be exposed to digital front ends and digital, uh, you know, uh, digital systems. And that will help you to, um, you know, leverage the data in a very, in a very uh, agile way. So I'm glad you highlight that because that's one of the challenges in, in my administrative or leadership role here, um, building an oncology hematology division is uh, having to keep an eye on the financial aspects of it. Absolutely. Right. You know, you have to keep the cost down. And that's what our clients say. Our clients say, look, we've invested this for years and we don't want to shut it down and create something new. Can you remediate it? Can you repurpose it? And uh, use it, uh, use it in a, uh, use it for in a contemporary way. Uh, You're so saying we, we go through yes, it, and that, yeah. you know, we're very happy to help you. You know, switching gear, uh, uh, crowdsourcing is a very important part of uh, every other industry now. Uh, I haven't seen much of crowdsourcing in the in the in the space of doctors. It will happen better, or the hope you see actually aspects of it. It's very siloed right now. You would see a number of different sites. Uh, that different, uh, you know, that that different physicians, uh, trainees will go to as well, trying to uh, get uh, more real-world evidence on okay, how is somebody doing? How do I handle this toxicity or that issue? You're seeing that also on the patient sides, right? There's uh, patient-focused groups um, and and blogs around that. Do act doctors actively participate in in, in those? Or? They do, they do, but it can be very. It's it's not necessarily curated. It's not necessarily validated. So there's a level of organization. Uh, if, if you take the example of, of peer-reviewed journals, right? Mm -hmm. You can imagine if that could then just be uh, scaled, but to the point that's more democratizing this, yeah. this knowledge uh, and not just around one-off research projects here or there, uh, but something more that's capturing this real-world evidence that, that's out there and that's at play every day uh, to help us deal and manage many of the real-world issues that are at play every day in clinical practice. Um, there is a, a, a treasure of, of, uh, of, of experience and data that comes from that experience of physicians uh, out there. Uh, to mine that, first of all, to, you know, to collect that, to curate that, and then to, to mine that for added insights, and then to be able to deliver that, uh, to, organ, you know, to, to, uh, to prospectively deliver that where it may be needed. Uh, you can see that as augmenting uh, our practices. So you see aspects <laughs> of that, uh, seeds perhaps, 
Uh, but again, that's the the hope. And but there and isn't a platform to do There is no app platform exactly, and that's exactly what's needed uh, to bring it all together. And, and how would you incentivize doctors and patients to uh, contribute to that cause? In terms of organizational perspective, there's a a uh, uh, you know, from a competitive aspect, you know, holding on to our data again, appreciating the, the strength of that uh, from patient perspective, and they have access to their data, uh, but. In this cybersecurity, you know, aware cyber awareness and just increasing concern concerns about uh, cybersecurity uh, and identity theft and whatever may come uh, in the future. I guess the question then back to you is, what is the potential for technology, whether it be blockchain or whatnot, to more securely demo allow democratization of all this data? Absolutely, I think um, every cloud sourcing platform has the same set of challenges and. Uh, uh, there is a, a challenge of adoption. There is a challenge of uh, how do you get onboard people to contribute to it so that they see value in it and they take value out of it. Uh, but uh, somebody has to make an attempt to start this in the space of medical. Uh, I had one last question for you. I want to squeeze this in. Uh, you know, yesterday I was uh, at a dinner and I was hearing about how Google is investing so much on health that at some point of time you just have to feed your CT scan or PET scan and they're going to tell you what the results are and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of data and a lot of AI underneath it. How much of this is, uh, is real now? You're seeing a lot more, especially Google, Amazon, we've seen movements that, that they're making, Apple as well. Yeah. Uh, so a big push into, into healthcare. Um, the strength, I, I believe, is really their, their access to, uh, again, to the consumers that are out there as we move into this consumer-based age. But absolutely, you can easily see uh, how they can move from what they are currently able to deliver upon, where they can um, they're always learning from your actions, from your needs, anticipate your needs within medical uh, and science. And they have passive data as well. And passive data as well. Yeah. That That's a great yeah. strength. Um, you can easily see where this is, where they're going to be heads and, and shoulders above what you know, individual medical centers are, are able to do. Um, but at the same time, there's a strength to come from you know, the collaborations between the two. And you're seeing a lot of that from uh, from Google. But at the same time with the with the payers. Ultimately, uh, there's a term I, I like to use in terms of uh, companion analytics. You know, you have companion diagnostics that help you to make, uh, you know, diagnostic assays that you use to help you make the best treatment decision in terms of will this drug, uh, will this drug be efficacious or not in this case. Uh, same thing around companion analytics where basic analytics, um, AI will increasingly grow, but from a more clinical perspective, better understanding the patient uh, at that point in time relative to the journey and, and their whole experience up to that point, uh, understanding what are going to be the implications on the different dimensions of their life, you know, in terms of their quality, and all this feeds into value. Uh, so again, this is going to come from the accumulation of, of data across different dimensions of, of the patient and population at, lot, at large across their lives. This is where you see Google, Amazon, uh, Apple, Facebook, um, you, you see where they're where they have the advantage um, there. Um, but at the same time, they do have to, and they will, they're starting, I see that at play uh, already, integrate with existing health systems. Um, yeah, in fact, I had one other area which um, uh, I'm sure you would appreciate this. Drug discovery uh, life cycles have changed from 10 to 15 years to two to three years. Correct. Because of the power of data, you could, you could, you could move it at much faster cycles Correct. because of the availability of data. Correct. And I know that you, you're working on one of the other things. I read, I read a paper from you which is about uh, measuring mortality rates for, um, for oncology patients using, uh, using uh, data, data and analytics. 
big area, again, going back to what we were talking about in terms of the, the potential to better connect with our patients. Uh, so short-term mortality, again, it was highlighting in the paper we highlight, and it's known that physicians are not great at prognostication, right? Again, we don't analyze the appropriate and, and even our mindset where we are focused really, it comes from an honest place, wanting to do more from, for the patient and keep on fighting. Uh, but at the same time, we do, again, from the physician perspective, we understand the limitations and we understand, uh, you, know, you know, what a body can take and, and what it cannot. This is further informed or more realistically informed by data if it is uh, presented and consumed the right way. Uh, and so that was the purpose of that paper to show, you know, really capturing, you know, looking over the entirety of, of the patient's experience and the patient life cycle, the number of treatments, trends that are happening. And this is, this is what's not presented by the EMR. But if you are able to, again, present the data and consume the data in that way, it dramatically changes your view of the patient and it will dramatically change your approach and, and interaction with that patient. Uh, and and hope, hoping that this will bring back the humanism that is required and that we've been losing uh, increasingly. You know, the Thank human you. ethos. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much. That was a great, great way to close the note. You know, human ethos is probably the most critical piece of uh, uh, what uh, what we need doctors in in uh, critical care, especially in critical care, Absolutely. to do. Thank you again. Thank you again for no, talking to me. It was that. such a Thank pleasure you. to talk to you. Um, and thanks for dropping by in our office. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Very nice. Thank you.